Set your phasers to sexy To another episode of True North Nerds. Yay! Spooky episode. Well, not really, because this will come out after Halloween. We're recording on Halloween. We're recording on Halloween, though. The spookiest um, day of the year. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that election day might be a little bit more terrifying. Well, then this comes out before that, too, so spooky! Yeah. This <laughs> Everything week, is spooky. This so week, we are... God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> uh, gotta, I'm drinking coffee. <gasps> this week, we are going to be covering the first episode of season two of The Mandalorian. Not Woo-hoo. spooky. Kick not, not spooky. Very not spooky. And uh, we're also going to tackle the news, because that's what we do on the show. But before we get there, we have Kevin. Hello. That kind of sounded like Santa. I was going to say that sounded kind of like the ghost of Santa. (laughs) The ghost of Christmas past. (laughs) On Halloween. And we have Jen. Howdy. And we have Ryan. The ghost of Ryan. Ooh. Ghost. I plan on being kind of annoying today. In case Man. you haven't noticed. How does that differ from any other day? Oh, I set you up. Good boy. <laughs> Knock it right out of the park. So, uh, Ryan, what yes. do we have in the news this week? Uh, well, we have some sad news this morning. Sean Connery has passed away at the oh. ripe old age of 90. Yeah, I, I, I've heard reports over the last, like, two years that his health wasn't the greatest. But for a man of 90 years old, that's just sort of be expected. Yeah. yeah. He's one of those that's people sad. that... Well, he's one of those actors, too, that when he retired, he retired. Like, he went fell oh, off yeah. the earth. I, I apparently the only thing that came close was the the last Indiana Jones movie. Like they they talked to him and he's like, eh, no, and that's why his father had passed away in in the film. Oh, okay. so that, that instead of recasting or anything like that, they just wrote because it he wasn't in it that much to begin with, so. Mm. Yeah. Any favorite Sean Connery movies amongst us? Well, one has to go back to uh, 1974's classic Zardoz. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Was that on your list? I did watch it because of my list. Yeah, I had actually oh, seen it before Lord. as well. So, uh, yeah. That is a classic Connery film, if there ever was one. But besides that, I would say my favorite Connery movie is The Untouchables. Ooh, that's a good choice. That's a good one. Yep. 
Uh, I I'm a, like I really like him in Highlander, which is yeah. ridiculous in a lot of ways. But he he just really adds something to that movie. Mm. Even though That's he's a a Scotsman who's playing an Egyptian via Spain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. He is one of those actors, though, that's like, can you think of a, a, a movie that he was bad in? No, that's a, that's very true. He He's like, he's I, been I in some say, bad movies. Yeah. Um, I have you seen Indiana Jones? No, I haven't seen Zardoz. Zardoz. That <laughs> Never even heard terrible. of it until, until you mentioned it. But is he is he terrible in it? Yes. No. Yes. Okay. He's not good. Okay, not so there's good. the exception. I, I always think of him in uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, um, yep. and a movie that I haven't seen for quite some time. But uh, the name of the rose. Remember that movie? Oh, mm. that's a good one. That yeah. sort of like fallen to the wayside over the last couple decades. Yeah. Also a good book. It's him and is, is it Christian Slater? With him in that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just pulled it up on Wikipedia. Apparently Ron Perlman's in it too. We should watch this again. Yeah. Um, It's it's like a detective story, like a murder mystery set in a monastery. Okay. Yeah, but it's also set in uh, 1327. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a really good book by Umberto Eco. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway. I should, uh, we should watch this again. It's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, and like to Jen's point, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I, I really like him in it, despite the fact that is an awful movie. Yeah. Well, see, I didn't find it that awful a movie because I had never, well, I, when I saw that, I'd never, I didn't know it was a comic book. I'd never yeah. read anything of it. I knew nothing about it except for that movie. So I actually found the movie pretty good. <laughs> I liked the uh, vampire lady. Oh, it was Mina Harkness, isn't it? Mm. I don't remember. <laughs> From Dracula. Yeah, that's exactly who it's supposed to be. And then I don't know there's always The facts. Rock. Yeah, yeah. Was the, no, the, the Rock in that movie? No, the no, last uh, film, The Rock. Oh, the rock. film, The Rock. Nicholas Cage. Nick, yeah. You know, when have he you says ever, that, that line, welcome to The Rock. Have right? you ever heard the theory that uh, part of the reason why his character is like he's good at it is because basically uh, the filmmakers decided that it was James Bond that he was playing. Yes, like, I have heard that. Like that story, James that Bond theory. had been kidnapped or well captured and disavowed by his government, and so yeah, the Americans the, just yeah. kept them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's that's cool. I like that theory. <laughs> yeah, I believe his last film was like a romantic comedy like the last one to come out he had filmed it like i think before league of extraordinary gentlemen but league of extraordinary gentlemen came out first mm. was that and no that league of extraordinary gentlemen was his last film i believe so that's the one that caused him to retire because there were so many problems with it wow i could have sworn he was in something after that uh, you, well, technically, like I said, he's in a, yeah, like a romantic was... comedy that came out. After no, but I mean that. something I might have actually watched. Uh, uh, yeah, I googled it. Sean Connery's last movie, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, in two thousand and three. Wow, huh. it's a it's a little surprising that somebody didn't talk him into uh, a voiceover part. You know, like Pixar didn't pull up the dump truck or. 
maybe yeah. they tried and he said no, I guess. There's oh, always He that. did. He did. Oh, okay. Uh, there was a Scottish computer animated animated adventure comedy film from 2012 called Sir Billy, also known as Guardian of the Highlands. And he played, <laughs> he was the voice of the title character, Sir Billy. Hmm. So I just want to read this quote because I found it in Rolling Stone magazine uh, online about uh, Sean Connery, his obit. So it says, uh, Sean Connery's last big screen appearance was playing Alan Quartermain in the 2003 adaptation of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Soon after, Connery, who turned down the role of Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, admitted he was likely finished with acting, fed up with the idiots now making films in Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) And yet, this quote. (laughs) <laughs> and yet, this is the premise of Sir Billy, the movie he came out of retirement to do the voiceover work for. The titular Sir Billy, an old skateboarding veterinarian, goes above and beyond the call of responsibility, fighting villainous policemen and strong lairds in a war to save an illegal fugitive, Bessie Boo the Beaver. Yeah, but did he have like a grandkid or somebody who was like, you have to do this? Or was he like running out of retirement money or something? Uh, Maybe it was due to animation. Maybe it was like something he had recorded (laughs) a while before and then it just came out afterwards. It's it does not look. No, he came out of retirement to do this film. Oh, maybe his buddy was making it or something. Maybe it's he was a, he was a big proponent of uh, Scotland becoming independent. So it it the movie's all set in Scotland by the reading of it. So it yeah. might be something that he just did because like grandkids and it's all in Scotland and it, maybe it's made in Scotland. Who knows? Yeah. He we was never also saw the executive it, so. producer of that film. Yeah, and it has a zero on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Yeah, it reminds me of like there there's an anim- an adult animated CG animated movie about a drug addicted elephant that has um what's his name from uh, Shaun of the Dead uh the guy who played Shaun and was in Pegg? Star Trek Simon Pegg that he does a voiceover for that like I remember I I bought a bootleg of it at Pacific Mall because I had never heard of it I'm like. This sounds like it could be interesting, and like for a dollar for the bootleg, maybe maybe it is. And it was one of the worst movies I saw that year. Like, there's a reason why it didn't get released outside of the UK. But, yeah, uh, I mean, we don't know why actors take roles for whatever reason. So, I mean, yeah. it must have had a reason of some sort. Yeah, the, it's especially at that point. Like, he if he turned down like Indiana Jones money, you know, he, he could probably pick and choose. Yeah. But, uh, yep. That's you know. Uh, it's uh, we'll we'll be seeing a lot of memorials about him for the for the next little while. But uh, it's, no, I'm uh, sure we'll be seeing a bunch of his movies airing on the different cable channels too yeah. over the next uh, couple weeks. But uh, I like Kevin's pick of of the Untouchables. That's a fantastic film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, moving onward, Ryan. On to the news. Uh, so Tom Holland made a new video this week uh, showing him receive the script for Spider-Man 3. Uh, it was on an iPad. And in the video, he promised not to spoil it. And as he's doing this, he st- he, almost, he almost broke the iPad because he dropped it. Yeah. 
<laughs> and overbroke the iPad Morgan. that they just gave him with the script. So yeah, <laughs> so he's up to this same old thing there. And uh, so that, that means they're getting ready to start filming Spider-Man Three, mm-hmm. uh, which also means I guess that they must be finished up on Uncharted. Yeah, we started seeing pictures of that this week too. Yeah. And, uh, oh, so Michael B. Jordan is in talks to uh, make his directorial debut uh, directing Creed 3. Hmm. Which, uh, Uh, it's kind of interesting because it falls in line with Sylvester Stallone's career path with that, with the... the, With the Rocky movies? Did he direct with with the... I was, like, I was trying to look for the word, like, the father film series of that. Yeah. But, yeah. I thought he was attached to do some directing with that announcement we talked about on our last episode with Static. He's attached as a producer, not as a director so uh. far. If I were to guess, uh, by looking at the dates and stuff, Creed might be the the walk through. Like the because it's a, a franchise he's comfortable with and has been around. So he kind of knows how to shoot it. It was directed by an excellent director like both films yeah uh, with ryan coogler so he he maybe he learned a bit from it and now this is this is the test and if he can pull this off static might be lined up next and then static is was it not tv not a movie no it's movie was it okay i thought it was a tv series okay remembering wrong my bad uh, so sticking with movies, uh, Universal Studios had an announcement. They announced that the Fast and the Furious franchise, will be, the main franchise, will be coming to an end uh, after two more movies. So three if you count the one that we still haven't gotten. Well, well Justin Lin has announced this, the director of the, the most recent lot of them, like... I want to say he's directed... Everything I read said Universal Studios announced it. Yeah, he came out and said it, but I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, depending on how the last one does and how Vin Diesel's career goes outside of Fast and Furious, if we don't see another one pop up. Well, there's going to be, like... Why, you don't think they're going to do one after this one? No, like, I mean, after the schedule one, because they've got... The there's next the one, one that they've already filmed. One more, isn't there? That yeah. Are... So there's the one that that was supposed to come out this summer. Yeah. That now is out next next year, and then they announced they're going to do two more after that. But if you think yes. about it, that so even if then, so depending on you know how filming works, that's like four years from now. Kind of makes sense to maybe. You know, that's four years from now if things all line up right. Oh, I agree. I just think dump trucks full of money. Well, no, but that's why they. The but they'll just keep things going with the side characters, right? That's why they said that they, you know, the main franchise doesn't mean that Hobbs and Shaw won't keep going, or that they won't give other spinoffs. Oh, that they got that I know, on but I also know that Vin Diesel was done after the first film. Yeah, true. So, <laughs> dump trucks full of money, my friend. I think it is one of Universal's most most lucrative franchises, so they they have every reason to want to keep it going. Oh yeah. the o- The only thing would be is the continuity at this point is like not that it was ever the strictest of continuities to begin with, but to g- 
it would be not a bad idea to just do a not a reboot, but a whole new franchise with the same ideas and new mm. characters, just to swap things out. And like, and much like how the franchise is currently sitting, there's no reason why if you know they do one, it does really well, then the next one eh, kind of tapers off. Call up Vin Diesel or Ludacris and say like, "Hey, we need a guest spot from here." Yep. Next. Uh, ooh, did you guys see the trailer for the new Disney animated feature, uh, Raya and the Last Dragon? Oh, yeah, it looks pretty. Mm. Yeah, it does look good. I, I really want to see it. Same. I'm interested in it. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's Kelly Who doing the voice for it, isn't it? I believe so, yes. Man, there there is a woman who transitioned into voice acting and getting steady gigs really, really well. Yeah. Uh, oh, so now we have so we're back into the uh, the, uh, the the reports and the rumors end of the of the of the pool here. Uh, reports are that Isaac, uh, Oscar Isaac will headline the Disney Plus series Moon Knight. Now, does this come from the same? Good. Does this come from the same people who said Tatiana Maslany is playing Shield? I believe <laughs> so, or at least everyone is. Well, everybody everybody's seems to be reporting, reporting the same it. story. Yeah, just like last time. So yes, but where did the story come from? Yeah. Oh. Um, I'm yeah. not a reporter. I didn't dig that deep. I just yeah. skimmed the surface here. Come on. The, <laughs> the timing of it fits because yeah, of how me... they're lining everything up, right? And I have I have almost no doubt that Tatiana is playing She-Hulk. I think she she's playing the the good Disney soldier and denying it until Disney actually confirms it. Right. And right now we and we know in the filming sort of schedule it's planned to be kind of like Ms. Marvel, She-Hulk, Moon Knight. While we we know that Ms. Marvel has been cast, we're pretty sure that She-Hulk has been cast. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if the if Moon Knight has been cast as and is in the works. Whether it's Oscar Isaacs, that's that's a little bit of a question mark. Um, I think he'd be great in the role. My only sort of like semi doubt with it is at the if you watched him in the the press schedule for all of the the last Star Wars movie, he was done. Like he he's when they asked him, hey, would you like to come back and maybe do like a Disney Plus series with the, with Poe? And he's like, no, no, I don't. Yeah, well, but being and, done with the Star Wars side of things and how it's been organized and run versus being done with the Marvel, Marvel side of things and seeing how that's been run, you know, I could totally be like, I could see him be like, yeah, I'm done with Star Wars, but sign me up for Marvel. Yeah, it, it, especially yeah. like you said before, when they start backing up that money truck. No, like it, it, it's just a minor thing, you know. Yeah. And now, and now that he's over a year removed from it, and like you said, Marvel, even though they're both under the Disney umbrella, the Marvel side of things seems to be a better place to work than the Star Wars side of things was. Yeah. Like there's different people kind of at the heads of the table. And especially after the 
Perlmutter was removed from the situation entirely, things got a lot better. Like, uh, we, we heard about the issues with Age of Ultron, but that seemed to be due more to Perlmutter and the Marvel Comics side of things yelling about things than it was the the Disney side. So, um, I think he's a good choice. He, like, it, so too. He's a great actor, so... Yeah. Go ahead, Kevin. I said I think he's a great actor too, and a good choice. And you got to remember too that Moon Knight is not Poe Dameron. I mean, Moon Knight is a character with some crazy mental health issues. Oh yeah. Um, so it's going to be a much more. As an actor, I think I think a lot of actors would rather play a challenging character like Mark Spector mm. over a. Um, over a straight sort of dashing hero type uh, in uh, Poe Dameron. No, it's like there's a lot of reasons to do it. Like money, it's a, a a challenging role. Depending on because it's a series, it might be not as taxing. It's just more like it. It really sounded like he was done with the machine of like a franchise like Star Wars than anything else. But like. You know that that can change, and he's a year out now, so it's. I wouldn't be surprised if some of those people might come back and like, uh, well, maybe Star Wars or maybe Marvel stuff. Be like, because I would also say that the Star Wars cast of the, the new films was treated much much poorly than like a lot of the Marvel casts are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the they were. You know, they were just raked through the coals on all sides. And that last movie, while we all kind of liked it or to one degree or another, there's a lot of people who were just really put off by it. Yeah. For for better or for worse. I'm not placing judgment on it. Like, there there are honest criticisms of that film. And then there's a lot of bullshit around it, too. So, um, anyways, next, Ryan. Next. Uh, so Stephen Amell, he's uh, currently recovering after sustaining a back injury on the set of his new uh, wrestling drama, Heels. Oh, he didn't flat back it. No, it sounds like he got hurt during doing a stunt, and they uh, didn't say what stunt. Mm. But, uh, yeah, and it's funny. So he just returned to, to shooting because he was off with COVID. Oh, yes. For a little while. But uh, so it sounds like production has continued without him. So they're able to film stuff that he's not involved in while he's uh, resting <laughs> his back. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'll be interested to see what this show is like just because it's like, okay, well, it's wrestling and Stephen Amell. So, okay. I know he's a fan. So it's like, okay, well, we'll see what it is. It could be interesting. It could be shit. Yeah. And this is his post-Arrow project, right? Yep. You know, like it's, and this is all kind of like coming from him. Like he's shepherding it. He's a yep. either a producer or an executive producer on it. It's really his project, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how it all shapes out at the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the final eight episodes of Sabrina have been announced uh, for Netflix. Uh, they will be coming to Netflix on December 31st. I think I'm the only one here that's up to date on that show. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. So I am looking forward to it. That's uh, one of those then, shows I meant to watch and then I never did. Well, then <laughs> come January, you'll be able to binge the whole thing. Yeah. 
Uh, Showtime had an announcement this week. They're bringing Dexter back for one more season. Anybody here watch Dexter? I saw a couple episodes here and there, but it wasn't really my cup of tea. No, mine either. I really liked parts of it. The the first like couple seasons are really good. There's yeah. one season where it goes like completely sort of in the tubes, and then there's the season that John Lithgow is like the main villain in it. Yep, that is fantastic. And then they kept going. Like the John Lithgow season should have kind of been where they stopped. Maybe one more, but they kept going. And the the last episode of that show is just it's just terrible like I don't from even, top to bottom not good yeah I, mean, I know i fell off like i was a late I, I came late to dexter i started watching it once it was available on like netflix or something where i could watch a bunch of episodes but they yeah. weren't all all seasons weren't there oh, and okay. then i just i fell off it was just one of those shows where it was like i was watching too many episodes at once and it was just too dark and i was getting i was like uh I don't want to watch this anymore. Oh, I, I can understand that, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I never it's... bothered to see the end. And I've only heard about the end and that he moves to Canada and becomes a lumberjack. Yeah, or, or the Pacific what? Northwest somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's after he drives his boat into a hurricane to fake his own death, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like it it wasn't, the whole prem- wasn't the whole premise of that show he was like somebody who could, he was like a, a psychopath who had to kill people. But he also had his had a moral compass and felt bad doing it or something like that. Well, he didn't Not, necessarily feel bad doing yeah, it, but he see, he just was taught to to control his impulses and if he's going to do it to kill bad people. Yeah, the idea behind it is actually pretty like it's a pretty well thought out one. Oh yeah, is he is uh, he is adopted by a cop. He like he he's a baby adopted by a cop, and when he was a child, he like looked at like found like extreme violent trauma. His mom was killed in front of him. Yeah, when he was and found, he, he was found pretty much sitting in a big puddle of blood in a room yeah. filled with blood splatter. So his dad, being a police officer, realizes in Dexter's teen years, like he's starting to tick off the serial killer boxes. Like he's torturing animals, his emotions aren't that, you know, there. Like it, it, there's a whole bunch of the boxes. He realizes like his son is going to be a serial killer, but he loves his son, so he can't like commit him or have him killed or anything like that. So he decides to train his son in one, get rid of the bad guys, and two, in how to get away with it, like how to fake being a person. Yeah. Like, it, like he's an awful human being. He's like, he he is a serial killer in uh, not a superhero, but it just so happens that he's targeting these people in order to get away with it. Because the other thing is, is with criminals, you know, the cops in in TV world don't care about it as much. And he's a forensic analyst, right? So he's yeah. like. He knows what he what what you know, so he can stage his crime scenes to hide himself, and then also, if it happens to find it, you know, be able to dispose of any evidence against himself too. So yeah, it for me bringing this series back is very much like the X Files. Is like I saw a lot of people are like, "Yay, Dexter's coming back!" I'm like, 
Yeah, but you're not thinking of the last three seasons. You're thinking of all the good ones. Yeah. And, the, and that was the same with the X-Files. It's like, oh, the X-Files was so great. I'm like, yeah, from like seasons one through five or one through six. Re- remember the part where the, the guy who played the T-1000 came in for three seasons? <laughs> and everyone's yeah. like, oh, oh, yeah. I'm like, those weren't that great. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't even know who's left alive in that series. <laughs> well, Dexter, Dexter, and there and like a character he killed that off was... his. That's he killed off his stepsister, didn't he? Who he started to have a relationship with in the show in the last couple seasons. Yeah, that see that was Ooh, that's like creepy. Yeah, because they started having a relationship in real life. Yeah, like they got married and stuff, and then it didn't work out. So. The, like, so her character a, got killed off. Yeah, <laughs> uh, she was around for longer than that, but you didn't see them much together up until a certain point. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a, uh, we'll see. Like, uh, I'd be curious we'll to see, see what they do with it. But for me, they've got like the first couple trailers and the, the those first two episodes have to be really good for me to really care. Yeah, no, I'm not interested at all. Next. Yes. Uh, that's it. I'm that's done it. with news. That's it for me. Wow. Yeah, you you got have a lot. Um, there was so Disney Plus released their what's coming on the service in November, and WandaVision was not to be seen. But there has been a thing that's popped up in the last week that still leads a lot of people to believe that November 27th is the date that WandaVision will be starting, and that was an ad from a Middle Eastern TV network. The Middle East is an area where they do not have Disney Plus, so they actually do license their programming to various networks there. Mm -hmm. And there was an ad that came out from one of these networks that has shown other Disney Plus programming in the past showing that it was going to air on television in their region on November 28th, which means that it would probably show up on the service before that. Hence... The November twenty seventh, you know, keep an eye out. We might be, we might have a new MCU thing to talk about. Yeah. So, uh, how many episodes of Mandalorian are we getting this season? Do we know? I, I, have I know not we brought this that. up before. I don't know because it, it for me, uh, I would think that they would do Mandalorian and then bring in WandaVision in order to keep the people who resubscribed for Mandalorian sticking around. Because there, there is going to be that drop off of subscribers again. That the the month after the Mandalorian is done, they'll, they'll see a little bit of a dip. Yeah, this is also the one year month. So anybody yeah. like myself that subscribed a year ago, this is the month that it's up for renewal. It's an eight episode season, so that means it ends on December eighteenth. Oh no, so that doesn't match up. But we we've heard repeatedly November seems to be the the goal date. Mm-hmm. I, like I've heard as early as uh, American Thanksgiving. Well, that yeah. is November. Which would 27th. be November twenty seventh. Oh, is that the okay? Yeah. Which okay, so here we go. Maybe it comes out on Black Friday, the first episode, to coincide with Thanksgiving, and everybody being around to watch, and then like episode two, maybe it lines up with a Wednesday or a Thursday of the next week release, mm. so that you're not getting Mandalorian, you're not getting everything on Friday. The, the other part of it might also be that the it, it might be them putting in November might hit like oh a weird subscribe 
algorithm. Like, yeah. if they do it then, then, like, people are still stuck for whatever reason. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They're, like, they, they'll they have to re-up no matter what they do. So, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm looking forward Woo-hoo. to it. It's, you know, it it's going to be interesting. It, mm-hmm. It's going to be an experiment. But I think some really cool shit could come out of it. I hope so. Um, other news... There was more layoffs at Walt Disney uh, World, Walt Disney Company. Uh, this time they oh, laid no. off the they laid off the live uh, actors, f- um, pretty much permanently, who do shows in the parks like Festival of the Lion King, Finding Nemo the Musical, Beauty and the Beast live on stage, the Hoopty Doo Review. Basically, they uh, these were people with actual entertainment union. Uh, jobs um, they're just not bringing back live entertainment like that anytime soon so because yeah, they're not even open in, in uh, California right now are no uh, the governor park. has given a list of ways that the park can reopen uh, but um, the way it's worded even with those uh, possibilities it's not probably not until mid middle of next year before those parks could even open. Now they wow. are doing one interesting thing. They are opening the sort of main street area of California adventure. There are no rides or attractions on that street, but there are shops and restaurants. So they're considering it because they have a downtown Disney shopping district in California as well. Yeah. Uh, so they are considering that, street inside the park as an extension of their downtown Disney shopping district. So, oh, okay. so, so saying, I've seen, can't... I've seen videos of people shopping there. Some of the video YouTubers that I follow that, uh, did a lot of, uh, stuff in galaxy's edge and mm-hmm. other, uh, Disney related things like that have been there shopping and showing off whatever new merch comes out. Exactly. So, hmm. So that's pretty much all the news I have. Although I did want to mention a thing. I don't follow comics as closely as you guys do, but what do you guys know about um, DC Future State, this new uh, new DC timeline miniseries thing? Any any word on that? Do you know what that's uh, all about? Leftover Rent? 5G. Is that what it is? Pretty much. They, they won't come out right and say it, but it's... It's the John Ridley Batman stuff. It's Nubia being Wonder Woman. There, mm-hmm. There's a couple other things. I believe that they're reframing it somehow to as a like um, like as a alternate universe sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, some of it looks cool. Uh, I'll be curious to see what it is, but it, it's kind of like um, the the way that I've read it is it's it's being put together much in the same way that. Uh, what was it called? Convergence was oh. that 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 stopgap of books in the old DC universe before the fifth, like in between stuff that they did when DC's offices moved from New York to uh, California and they needed mm-hmm. alternate books to go in. And and we got two issues of Renee Montoya as the question again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it, it's fascinating. I I'm. Nobody's ever going to write a book on this one. I'm yeah. sure there'll be a couple articles out at, about it at some point. But I'd be really curious to see what we see in print, and then in like two years when somebody when the the 
the non-disclosures all start running out when people go, okay, so this is what I was working on and this is what appeared. These are the differences between the two. So DC is putting all of their current books on hold for a couple of months while these come out. Yep. Interesting. The one thing I did read is it's supposed to be kind of felt like a possible future. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Of where the current books could, it would say, well, the way you're reading in your books currently, this is a logical place that it could go to in the future. But, you know, yeah, after those stories are done, then we'll be back to where we were and continue on. Yeah. Did I talk about the new Sims expansion pack yet? Um, not the fact that you have it. No, not that one. Well, that one too. Oh, the, uh, the, uh, the new, new one. one? That no. hasn't come out yet. I want to say well, no. You haven't. Okay, so that's my news then. Um, I'm super excited. There's a new Sims expansion pack uh, for people who play Sims 4 called... Um, what's it called? Snowy something? Jeez, I've been paying too much attention to the actual uh, Let's Plays and not really paying attention to the name of it. Snowy Escape? Anyway, so it's set in a Japanese Asian-inspired world, which is really cool, and they've introduced new features uh, like snowboarding and sledding and skiing. Um, and for Sims players, and I don't know how many Sims players we have listening, but you know, for those who are out there, uh, the interesting thing about this pack is that uh, this is the first world where you can have vacation homes as well as destination, as well as like residential homes, so you can live in the world or you can vacation in the world up until now it's either been you've had a world you can live in or a world that's a vacation world so that's pretty cool um i've been watching a lot of the like let's plays and people who've been building houses and things for it and i'm very excited for this pack i think it looks really neat uh they've done a lot to kind of expand on um how the sims uh, interact with each other and with their world so up till now it's been mostly uh you know you pick basically a couple of personality traits and away you go. But now they've uh, put in a, I think it's called the lifestyles. And what it is, is how your Sim interacts with the world and what your Sim does changes their personality a little bit. Mm. So you could end up with, you know, a Sim that I've only seen a couple of examples, but like you could have like lifelong grudges with people now (laughs) (laughs) instead of before it was like, you know, you'd be angry at somebody and then it would fade and then you'd be fine. And now it's like, you can hold this grudge forever if you want to. So it looks like a really interesting pack and uh, I have to finish watching the, the, the full let's play. So every time a pack comes out, the, uh, the Sim gurus, the people who run the the Sims community, um, they show the game, like they do like a a playthrough and I've only been able to watch about 40 minutes of it. It's like a two hour live stream. So (laughs) I watch it in pieces. It's a lot. (laughs) So yeah, I'm really excited for this. It should be coming out November the 13th. Um, and I think it looks super cool, but yeah, no, the other pack that I got was I finally bought the journey to Batuu Star Wars expansion yep. or game pack because oh, it was 50% the, off. Did you get the free baby Yoda? <laughs> oh yeah. I got that a long time ago, actually. Okay. Like, that, that... They, they announced that as part of Man- Mando Monday this week. Yeah, I know, but you... that, that's been in the game for over a year. Um, oh really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So my review of the Journey to Batuu pack is that I'm glad I only paid, got 50% off on it because, <laughs> I mean, so it's a vacation world. You can't play in it. And the thing is, is that you you, you move your sim to Batuu temporarily on, on a vacation and you can uh, talk to the scoundrels or the resistance or the first order and they 
give you missions to do. And then however many missions you do, you earn galactic credits that you can spend in on Batu. Um, and you can buy things if you want, or you can just, you know, do missions. And so I decided that my little sim was going to become part of the first order. Cause why not? <clears throat> I like the uniforms. Um, but basically you just, you only, only end up, you get up like six or seven, like static missions. So you can do like the same mission over and over and over and over and over again. And it's really kind of boring after a while, which is disappointing. Um, but I do like my little droid. I made a BB-8 droid, and I named her Grape, GR8-P. Um, and she's purple. <laughs> uh, you can get a lightsaber. That's cool. They didn't even, the pack doesn't even have a lot of, like, uh, furniture and things that you can decorate your house with if you decide to go back to the normal Sims world. Uh, like, I mean, it has a couple of pieces of furniture, but mostly it's, like, crates. So. Mm. Um, Can you so. bring your lightsaber and droid back to the real world? Um, I think so. I haven't tried yet because my sim basically I created this sim specifically so that she would go to Batu and basically stay there as long as possible. Oh, okay. Um, the other annoying thing is that okay, your sim has needs like a human, so like they got to eat, they got to pee, they got to take a shower. Uh, in the whole entire world of Batu, there's only one place where you can do all that stuff. So, I mean, you could be in the middle of a mission in the, like, First Order section, and all of a sudden your Sim's got to pee real bad, and she has to literally run across Batu to get to the residence area to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, well, that's stupid. Why don't they at least throw a couple of bushes <coughs> so that your Sim can pee? <laughs> that's the most that's annoying funny. part, because I'm, like, trying to, like, intimidate somebody, and all of a sudden my Sim's going to wet herself, and I'm like, that's not very intimidating. Mm. <laughs> or is it? Your sim is marked in her territory. Oh, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And all of the, like, skins that they have. So the the way that they put aliens in The Sims 4 is that they made them all, like, hats. So, like, you can put on a a hat that will make your sim look like a Twi'lek. um, And it changes, like, the whole skin tone and everything. Uh, Or you can put, like, spikes and things like that. Um, Or uh, what's um, Hondo's race? Right? A uh, weak way. Yeah. So you can put on like a, a hat that makes your sim look like a weak way. But when you look, especially with the weak way, because it's a full face thing, um, it, it looks like they're wearing a mask in the game. Like the eyes don't totally line up perfectly and the face, the mouth doesn't line up perfectly. And because it's a hat, you can't change anything about it. Like you can't also put hair on top of it. You can't change the tone. It's just, that's what it is. Oh. And it looks really weird, but so, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan. I, I'm glad I only paid it. I, I got it for 50% off. Part of me is like, I shouldn't have bothered, but I kind of like having a droid. So, mm-hmm. eh. That's a big meh for me for that pack. <laughs> that's too bad. Yeah, Speaking it looks of really droids cool, and Star Wars. There we go. Segway. Segway. So natural. So smooth. <laughs> Especially when we all pointed out like that. All of us watched the first episode of the season two Mandalorian. Yay! Um, I don't know how to start this. Who it, does anybody want to go first with their thoughts? It was cool. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I liked the casting of the uh, Marshall, like that it was Tim- uh, uh, Timothy Oliphant. 
I kept yeah. thinking, I know this guy. Why do I know this guy? Why do I know this guy? And then I looked it up and went, oh, of course that's who it is. Yeah, yeah. so I pointed it out. Ryan and I were talking that it's a little interesting because Timothy Oliphant has played a like Old West cowboy in Deadwood, one of my favorite TV shows ever. He's played a modern cowboy in Justified. Which is a great show. If you haven't watched it, you should watch it. And he is now playing a space cowboy in The Mandalorian. <laughs> Typecast. Yep. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure if more westerns were being made, he would be playing more and more cowboys. Mm. Uh, we'll we'll say up front there may be some spoilers in this this discussion for the first episode, but uh, oh, for sure we're gonna spoil the hell out of this episode. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so time to start uh, dissecting it. I mean, nothing really spoilery happens until the very, 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 very end. No, but but there is that moment. So I am not as familiar with the the Aftermath books as Ryan and Jen are. But I I did know about the character of the Marshal. Do you think that, like, that surprised people when they saw the Boba Fett armor on some other dude? Oh, I think most people were probably surprised, yes. I, I mean, I don't remember him in the book too, too much because he was kind of like a side story. Yeah. But did he have, Brian, did he have the Boba Fett armor in the book? Yes. So in the book, if my memory serves me, and Jen, maybe you can help me here. So yeah, this is one of those little side stories that they throw in there that had nothing to do with the overall story. It was kind of more of a, this is what's happening now that the Empire fell. Uh, yeah. So in the books, I believe he was actually... Uh, his origin was he was a slave at Jabba's palace. And when Jabba yeah, got so. killed, he was able to escape. And he stole or found an extra set of Boba Fett's armor in the palace. It wasn't actually necessarily Boba Fett's armor from inside the Sarlacc pit. Uh, and yeah, so see, I couldn't remember mad. if it was... yeah. I couldn't remember if it was specifically Boba Fett's armor or if it was just he found Mandalorian armor in the book. I'd have to reread it and find out. I don't know if they actually say name him or if they just describe it in the color and everything to make you think that it's Boba Fett. Like it's like, but, uh, and then, then he meets, like he ends up coming out, he's out in the desert, meets and meets people, gets brought in to kind of help in this town as a kind of, well, here, if you come and help us, hold off these raiders you know we'll give you some place to stay and yeah and he, yeah he ends up becoming like helping out and becoming like the marshal but doesn't he name the place something like salvation or it's, it's like not, freetown yeah it's not moss whatever it was in no. the in yeah but it apparently it was it, that was its name but then it they renamed it freetown after the thing but yeah so it sounds to me like oh, you know, okay. they, there's I guess it all comes down to how much of the stories in the books are actually deemed as continuity now, right? Yeah, see, I'm looking well, that particular it up. one is because it was a new one. Well, yes, but the, the, uh, the just like everything else always is, if it's on screen, it's more continuity than if it's on yeah. in a book. Yeah. So I knew none of this and still enjoyed it. I wasn't oh. even sure that I was looking at Boba Fett's armor. I'm like, I'm like, it looks familiar, but I don't know. I didn't remember about Boba Fett losing his armor at the end of the. Well, he didn't. <laughs> well, he does. Last time we he, saw got, him, he got eaten by Sarlacc. Yeah. 
So that's so, why it's so, a big surprise. I had... when, you, when you, yeah, it's why it's a big surprise when you hear there's a you know, there's a Mandalorian running around on Tatooine, and yeah. then when he walks in the doorway and he's that that color and it's got that specific when they put the helmet down and you get the real good shot yeah. of the helmet. It's like his helmet always shown with that one big dent in it in the top on like the forehead. And in, on the toys, in the models, in the masks, every time. So it's very distinctly, that's Boba Fett's outfit. Mm-hmm. So Brent and I were having the conversation of how, if okay, did Boba Fett actually die in the Sarlacc pit, or do we not know? Because in the books that are no longer uh, continuity, he escaped. Yeah, so right. I was like, Brent was like, well, then how did they get the armor if he didn't survive? And I'm like, Sarlacc's got a poop. <laughs> So that's my theory is that Boba Fett got eaten and yep. the armor didn't get digested and then the Sarlacc pooped it out. That's as good a theory as anything. <laughs> yep. Well, it, well, it's as good as, as good a theory as anything until you take in what we, you know what happened yeah. at the end. Until the very end of the the thing, but then I'm like, oh well, Sarlacc still got a poop. I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> well, and then sometimes Sarlaccs get eaten by crate dragons. Mm. That was super cool. I love crate dragons. I just got I to say that crate dragon was amazing. I never, I guess, I didn't know it. You know, I, I never associated the sandworm skeleton that we see in the first movie with that being a crate dragon. I didn't know that the dragon. Yeah, but it must have been like a baby crate dragon because it was small. Well, it was off in the distance, so we can't really yeah, see necessarily how big. But, but uh, yeah, they, no, then finding out that they, that's what they called the sandworm creatures, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Because I don't know if in my head I was thinking that they call it a dragon. I pictured it more dragony. Or I thought it was pretty dragony looking. Yeah. Well, once they you got it like out of the cavern and out of the the dirt, you saw more of like the dragon aspect to it. Yeah. Yeah, like more of the Asian style dragon, like snake dragon type. Yeah. So I wonder uh, if it was related to the giant worms from Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> Or the ones in Dune. <laughs> or the ones in Beetlejuice. That's yeah. what I thought of. There you go. <laughs> Again, one of the things that I love about this show is how it draws its visual aspects from all sides of Star Wars continuity. Mm. Like, it, you got stuff from the prequels, like just like little bits like those, uh, the, the little droids that... What's her face has in the the docking bay on and yep. on Tatooine the repair droids yeah those, those are those little like repair droids one. in the the first seat in the the first scene with the uh, the fight club or the 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 outlaw fights of the Gamorians yeah we see a couple of, uh, alien creatures in the stands that we saw in like Force Awakens and uh, the the second movie. That like just their alien species. They they were peg warmer action figures. I don't yeah, even know the, what. Yeah, the uh, that one share or the lieutenant. What was his name? With the big round hat. Yeah. yeah, the head that was uh, the hat. That was a peg warmer for uh, Force Awakens. That got <laughs> was supposed to be a big character in it, and then got cut from the whole movie and never showed up in it at all. But he had an action figure. Ah. And then you get like you know stuff from the the current trilogy, like in the nods to Boba Fett and stuff like that. Um, as a story, this is obviously like a great way to do a cowboy and Indians story, or well, mm-hmm. I guess cowboy Native American story without <laughs> going into areas where you could be called racist. 
You know, it's a it's a good analog, but it's got a lot of safety to it at the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And I, I just overall I, I like the story. I like the idea of we now know what Mando's mission is, like right off the bat, right? He's looking to reunite the child with other Jedi, and in order to do that, he has got to find other Mandalorians to sort of light his path to find these Jedi. Mm-hmm. So, like, we, we know what the season's going to be, but we are also getting unexpected things, like the appearance of Boba Fett, maybe, at yep. the very end of this episode. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that this series has done a really good job of um, exposing us to, and I guess, and like fleshing out some of the characters or some of the species that were just like, side throwaway species in the other movies like mm. like like the Tuscan Raiders like the sand people now we've we've seen them more than yeah. once and he's communicated with them every time instead of just being like oh you gotta shoot them or scare them off he's actually been like oh hey and like had the like, ooh, 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 sign language and stuff and yeah I like dogs that and... I like that too it's like the, he's the show's really giving a lot more depth to characters that were kind of like just supposed to be like in the background or like one-off monsters or whatever. It's like because the Sand Peoples were always supposed to be just basically your your desert villains. That's what we got in the in the prequels and in the original trilogy. But yeah. like now, there he's actually giving them a culture and a language and you know intelligence and more depth. And I love yeah. that. Exactly, they're and not just creatures; yeah. they're a people. Yeah. And I am really kind of interested in the backstory of how he knows how to speak. Yeah, speak Tuscan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's as far as we know, these guys don't really exist off planet or off Tatooine. So does that mean he's been? Like, well, he does say that he's been to Tatooine a fair amount. So yeah, yeah. How much time has he spent on Tatooine? And, and why? And why? <laughs> well, he was a bounty hunter. Yeah, true. I'm sure there was a lot of bounty hunters. Well, the guild used to work on Tatooine. Yeah. None of the last season's episodes took place on Tatooine. No, one did. The uh, which which kind of ties in with the end of that episode. It was the episode with uh, was it like the gunslinger or something it was called or yeah, the, yeah, with the, kid the, the who bounty, was a bounty hunt hunter. One. Right, that was Tatooine. Yeah, yeah with, that's uh, why he landed at that same garage with the chick. Yeah, yeah I thought then, the same thing, Kevin. I was like, what has he been to Tatooine before? Yes, yes, he has. <laughs> Like, remember at the end of that episode, we saw a pair of feet, like, approaching the, the, uh, the, the, the corpses and stuff like that from that episode. So I guess the, the major question is, is that Boba Fett at the end of this episode? Yeah, that's what the credits say. Oh, do they actually list him as Boba Fett? Well, that's what, um, the Wikipedia page says anyway. Okay, well, it's and it is the actor who plays. Well, yes, it is no, the actor. but yeah, I, I I concur with that. It's Tamira Morrison, but in theory, that could also be any clone. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, it's part of me says it's straight ahead. It's Boba Fett. It makes the most sense, but it also like it seems too easy. Yeah, it could be a red herring. <laughs> you know <what> I mean. <laughs> Like I feel like they've given us a lot of the pieces to the to like 
they've given us a lot of, I've been watching too much Castle. They've been giving us a lot of evidence to point us in the direction of Boba Fett, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it is Boba Fett. Mm. That's just what they want us to think. Either way, uh, I'm in. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The, the the show kept up it's for at least this episode is still the same quality that we saw in in the first season yeah mm-hmm. the the takedown of the dragon was just awesome mm-hmm. watching the uh the poor Tuscan Raiders getting slaughtered <laughs> you know, watching them try to you know, they're like well here we'll lure it out we'll, we it's sleeping now we'll feed it one of our nice big banthas and it'll go back to sleep. Except it eats the guy instead. I know, we were like, Bob, run, Bob! <laughs> we named him Bob. He got eaten. <laughs> and then the poor Bantha that had to be the, happened to be the one who carried all the explosives. <laughs> the Bantha He's was like, like, I wait do a not minute. consent to this plan. <laughs> wait, wait a minute, yeah. I don't, I don't like this. Man, there was no part of that plan that worked out for that Bantha. Nope. <laughs> like, absolutely nope. not. <laughs> Um, yeah, so off to a great start, I'd say. Yeah, I think so. Uh, looking forward to seeing more. Yeah, it's, do you, do you think that we're going to be on Tatooine for the next episode as well? You think it's, this is going to be like, kind of like a couple episode story arc of them on, on Tatooine and, or maybe one more figuring out the, the Boba Fett stuff or... Is, does Boba Fett start hunting after the, the <laughs> weirdo Mandalorian that's got his armor? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, technically, other than, you know, Boba Fett's not a true Mandalorian. No, no, he's not. And, and they've, they've made reference to, apparently, Django wasn't either. No. Are there so, any true Mandalorians anymore? Eh, it's like nobody is a true Mandalorian. Probably, probably a couple. And they're wondering, much like maybe Jesus might wonder about Christian Christians today. Yeah, it's like uh, I didn't say some of this shit. And Mandalorian yeah. is not a race; it's a creed, right? Well, That's what in they this say show, it yes, was a race. Though. It is. It was a race and a planet. Yeah. Yes, there was a Rebels episode, wasn't there? Fall of Mandalore. Yeah, yeah. and and a and lot Clone of Clone Wars. And Sab- Sabine is from Mandalore, isn't she? Yeah, yeah she is. Well, she's Mandalorian, yeah, but and she's also so she's Mandalorian yeah. and takes her helmet off all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like there's two different things. There's the the Mandalorian creed and there's the Mandalorian people who yeah. may or may not exist anymore. I, I read somewhere that Dave Filoni says eventually they'll explain it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I believe in them. The well, part of it, the explanation I've heard so far is that it's, um, you know, this is all like that that group of Mandalorians that we saw. Most of them, or all of them, are foundlings, including the armorer, or okay. the armorer was a Mandalorian child, and it's like sort of broken telephone. Yeah, you know, they, they it was the, this is how we do things, like you know, until she was six. And then got cut off from that, and now she's just teaching everybody what she's known and what like child mind is kind of exaggerated in it. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so yeah. it's keeping a lot of it alive, but other bits are just like getting lost in translation. 
Well, it's just like the whole, the way they look at Force users, the Jedi, yeah. all that stuff. It's like most of it to them is stories. Mm. Yeah. I keep forgetting how long ago was it after the Empire fell that this is taking place? Uh, the first season we think is five years. But so I this bring up a timeline. It's yeah. been five years and they already don't, but they knew about the Jedi during. Well, maybe not everybody knew about the Jedi because I'm yeah, just like. It's one of those things. It's like it. It's in the outer rims too. Yeah. The Empire. The Empire had a big propaganda machine, and they did a lot of work to make people forget about the Jedi or think that the Jedi were bad. That's true. Mm-hmm. It's a. It's one of those things that like sort of bugs me until you think about it a little bit. And like, no, there's there's ways that you can you can go around it. Oh, That's another it. thing I'm liking about the show in general is that um, a planet is more than just one city. Mm. Yeah. Once I realized that about Star Wars, it kind of ruined a big chunk of it for me. And I think that's one of the reasons why I wasn't a fan of the Clone Wars animated series. It's because they're like, if we call co- like to conquer a planet, they conquer one town or one village or one city. And then finally they're like, oh, we got the whole planet. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, that's like if some like aliens descended on, on Earth and, and conquered, I don't know, Barry. Pittsburgh. Pit- yeah. Pittsburgh and suddenly, oh, we've got the Pittsburgh. whole world. No. Yeah. Well, well, the other thing about it is as well is like it, it, a lot of it sort of makes it a little bit more realistic. Like the yeah, the Death Star got blown up and that's the the seat of the the Empire's power at the time. But, you know, there's a whole navy out there of Star Destroyers that the rebels did not have. They're probably going to want to stay in power, right? You know, like it—it it takes a while well, for the rebellion to clean up this mess. Yeah, and I think the the books, the aftermath books that Ryan and I read, go into that a bit more. Yeah. So I, I guess it's safe to say for all of us that you can you can watch the Mandalorian episode one, season two, with no issues. It's pretty good stuff, and. Uh, I have a feeling it's going to be pretty solid throughout. I don't think we're taking any hard left turns into weird territory. And and it's the same directors as last season, and they all did a great job. So, but with some additions, like uh, Robert Rodriguez is re is directing an episode this season. Oh, cool! That's yeah, cool. There, there's a couple of those like. I don't want to call it like stunt directors, but like like well known directors that I think. W- I think it's a combination of, you know, you mean you mean I get to do a Star Wars, but mm-hmm. it's not going to be completely and utterly like shit on by by nerds on the internet. Uh, okay, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> it's I think it's that and in like Robert Rodriguez's case, he's always one of those guys who's looking at the kind of like Jim Cameron, like looking at the forefront of technology to make making movies easier and more expansive with ease. Okay, so I'm sure he'd be all over wanting to play with that uh whatever that room they built with that yeah, screen. Exactly. Like that like it, it's the for him it's the combination of you mean I get to do a Star Wars Western and play with all the toys? Yeah, all right, I can do that. <laughs> so I've got some timeline corrections for us here. Okay. 
So I found uh, like StarWarsFandom.com has a, a very extensive timeline. Uh, so going from the after, so after the Battle of Yavin being the zero point, uh, five years. So it's only five years after the Battle of Yavin is when we have the the Battle of Jakku. Mm-hmm. So it only takes four years, uh, from what I can see, for uh, for the throw from the Battle of Yavin to the end of Return of the Jedi. Like that's within like a four or five year time span. Uh, the Battle of Jakku is like within five years, and then it starts the peace years from five to twenty eight, and uh, the Mandalorian takes place at nine. So nine years after the Battle of Yavin. So it puts it four years after the Battle of Jakku. Okay. So, yeah, so the Battle of Jakku, I thought it hadn't taken place yet, and that's why there was still, like, you know, the remnant around. But uh, I guess, no, it has already taken place, and there's even less Imperials around uh, than there than I thought there were. Oh, okay. And it, well, again, it makes sense that they're pushing out to the outer rims, right? Like we know yeah. that that's where the first order kind of comes from. So it's they're they're on their way. They just haven't quite made it there yet. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the the rest of the season holds. Oh, for sure. Now, did, I saw mm-hmm. one thing just uh, before we wrap this up. I guess there was a an Instagram image put onto the Disney Instagram, or is it? Yeah, I think it was the Disney Instagram. It was either that or the Star Wars, and it was a Star Wars image, and it had uh, some pictures, and it had like a live action picture of somebody and like a little blurb, and then there was like the cartoon picture of Ahsoka, and part of the blurb was like a question: Oh, I wonder what the live action avatar of of, of Ahsoka will look like. We'll soon find out when, uh, and what's her name, the actress we'll keep thinking is cast as Ahsoka. Uh, Rosario Dawson. Yeah. So it says, well, we'll find out when uh, Rosario Dawson plays her in the upcoming season, uh, in The Mandalorian. And apparently this was an image that was posted and then quickly taken down. Oh. So. More fuel Hmm. to the fire that the rumors are true. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of this episode and Geek Fix. Who wants to go first? Well, I... I mean, Kevin? I'll go. I'll go. So, last week, last weekend, I discovered on Apple TV Plus a show called Ted Lasso. It is not science fiction. It is not fantasy. Well, it is in a way a fantasy. It is a comedy starring Jason Sudeikis about an American football coach who gets a job coaching a British football team in the Premier League. It sounds ridiculous, and it is, but it's also incredibly well done. I have never been sucked into a show quicker uh, that wasn't one of my that wasn't from one of my sort of pre pre-approved genres you know um the show just has so much heart ted lasso as a character is so upbeat so fun to watch that i binged the whole series in a day now it's only 10 half hour episodes so it didn't take that long but 
I just fell in love with this show. I had heard it. I'd heard about it on several podcasts that I listen to that I trust. And I'm like, okay, I've got to give this show a chance. And they're right. It's it's brilliant. And Jason Sudeikis should be nominated for Emmys this year because it's just that good. This character started off as a pitchman for NBC Sports when they got the rights to show English Premier League uh, soccer in America. And they've turned it into this wonderful, heartfelt uh, comedy series. It's just it's just amazing. I can't say enough about it. Um, if you have Apple TV Plus, and you may have if you've bought an Apple device in the last year, uh, you get a years of a year of Apple TV Plus for free. Um, if you do, please check it out. It's it's just wonderful, and I can't say enough good things about it. Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus. Cool. Uh, Reiner, Jen. Go ahead, Jen. Um. I got one. Uh, I can't. I don't think I've done this one before. Uh, there's a podcast that I started listening to called David Tennant Does a Podcast With. Oh, yes. Did I talk about this one already? <laughs> no, but I've heard of it. Sounds good. Yeah, so I hadn't heard of it until uh, it popped up on my Facebook because he did an episode with Neil Gaiman a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> and I was like, David Tennant has a podcast? I love David Tennant's voice. <laughs> So I just was intrigued. So apparently he started it about a year ago and he's got really great guests. So he's got, he did his first episode was with Olivia Coleman, Whoopi Goldberg, Jodie Whittaker, Ian McKellen, John Hamm, uh, Catherine Tate, James Corden. I'm just kind of skimming through Michael Sheen. And then, so this is his second season, which he's, I think just wrapped up and uh, he has uh, George Takei, uh, Jim Parsons, Tim Mitchin, Neil Gaiman, Billy Piper, um, and every, each episode's, I think it's about an hour. Um, and they're just, it's just a really, he's a good interviewer. Like he asks really good questions. He has some really good conversation. Uh, definitely listen to the one with Michael Sheen because you can really tell they've got a good friendship dynamic going and it's really funny. Um, but then he also has like wrap up episodes at the end where it's like, here's all the bits that we couldn't fit into the main episode. And mm. it's just like him and his wife, Georgia, uh, talking about like doing little intros to the, these little clips. So it's really good. I'm quite enjoying this podcast. Uh, so, yeah, I think everybody should listen to David Tennant does a podcast with. <laughs> cool. Ryan. Uh, I'm going to pick something that probably is Brent's pick too. Um, there's a cool comic came out this week. Um, oh, damn you. <laughs> <laughs> that's your, pri- that's what happens when you go last. Yeah. Okay, fine. Brent, I'll it let does, you No, have go it. ahead. Go ahead. I'll, so, I'll just add to your pick. I've got another one. Well, I, just, I can go something else. Um, what's it actually called? The Last Ronin. Okay. I thought it was. I just, I'm having a. I'm missing my afternoon nap, so. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's the last Ronin. It is a Ninja Turtles comic. Uh, there, the, it's uh, this, there's only one Ninja Turtle left in the, at this point in the story, and he's not a teenager anymore. Uh, it kind of shows like a dark dystopian future. Lots of uh, Batman Dark Knight, you know, Dark Knight Rises vibes to it. Um, but uh, it's pretty cool. It's only been the first issue. Uh, but I'm I'm on board. Sounds like a lot of people are. I know Brent is. But uh, yeah, so if you can find if you can find an ish, a copy of, of it, I would recommend picking it up. 
Yeah, it's, uh, IDW apparently did not print enough on the first run, but there will be more printings. It's uh, based on a story by uh, Peter Laird and uh, fleshed out by Laird, Eastman, and Tom Waltz, who is the regular scripter, uh, or was the regular scripter on Ninja Turtles for quite a while. And it's them, like, just, it, it's the first Eastman-Laird Ninja Turtles story in like 20 years i want to say yeah something like that yeah and it, it's it, it really hooked me in i i'm very much looking forward to seeing where this goes it, it's it's very much a uh dark knight returns ninja turtles story but it's still awesome <laughs> good pick ryan oh, I, thanks. I, I agree <laughs> with that oh um okay what can i go with i've, I've got so <laughs> much right now oh that's um, good yeah um did i do in the mouth of madness last week not last that episode? i recall okay nope, so that'll, heard be, of it. that'll be my geek pick it's a it's a john carpenter film uh shout factory uh did a phenomenal job of uh putting it onto blu-ray like a, a special edition version it stars Sam Neill as like an insurance uh, adjuster slash investigator who's been hired by a book company to track down uh, Sutter Kane, who is this author who kind of like Stephen King on steroids. Like he is insanely popular and his books have been known to drive some people crazy and into acts of violence. And it follows Sam Neill's character's journey to try and find this author. And uh, not to spoil anything, it does not go well. It's For me, it's one of the last truly great John Carpenter films. It's a phenomenal watch, for especially this time of year. But the other nice thing about it is it was shot in the Toronto area. So you cool. will recognize certain places in it. And if you can find the Shout Factory version of the movie, there's actually a mini documentary that's part of a YouTube series called uh, Horrors Hollowed Grounds, where this guy goes to shooting locations of horror movies. And he goes through and shows what the locations look like, I, I think, as of five or six years ago. So, like, for us in Ontario and in the Toronto region, one of the big ones is the, I believe it's a Roman Catholic church or a Catholic church of some sort that's in uh, kind of Richmond Hill area. It used to be out in the middle of nowhere, like, when they shot this movie, and now a subdivision has grown around it. But it's one of the first things you recognize. But they, they showed a whole bunch of other stuff. Apparently, some of it was shot in Unionville and... But a very good movie and very worth the watch. So before we go, uh, we have to do a little bit of plugging for our other shows and stuff. Uh, Kevin, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, just uh, this past week, episode five of Stage Whispers came out. Uh, we have a great interview with a local playwright named Zeguin Mixamong. She's First Nations from, um, uh, from Christian Island. 
And uh, we have a, a spooky ghost story because theaters are often haunted. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I just just before this, we recorded episode 14 of Galaxy Class, which is a character profile of Jordy LaForge. That will be out very soon as well. And uh, if you're looking to get holiday photos taken in the next month or so, check Cabela's on Mondays, Tuesdays, or Thursdays in December. You might recognize the Santa who's there. Oh. <laughs> Jen? Um, definitely listen to Sailor Snacking, which is the awesome podcast that Tracy and I do. Um which should be popping up in your feed if you listen to this show or subscribe to this show. Uh, it's The next episode that is coming out is episode 13, which covers episodes 25 and 26 of Sailor Moon. And our special guest is Tara. Uh, so we talk a lot about um, Zoicite and how uh, Zoicite's one of the evil generals of the Negaverse and how, or the Dark Kingdom, and how in Japan Zoicite is male and um, in the Deke dub, that was what we watched as children, uh, Zoicite was turned into female character. So we have an interesting discuss- discussion with Tara about that. So please listen to Sailor Stacking. The other thing that I should point out is because it got it got pushed around a bit, Jen's appearance on the Rocky Maivia Picture Show with our good friend Nate Milton uh, is up for uh, listening and download on the Post Wrestling Network. If you can't find it on your podcaster app of choice, just go to postwrestling.com and uh, go into shows. You'll find it under the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. And it's um, it lists Jen as a contributor to Turn of Nerds, but I, I wanted to, to read this part is Nate Milton welcomes classical history, Greek mythology expert, Jen Chittenden <laughs> into yes, the theater. Because you are. But I, I find it nice that that's how it's mentioned. Um, <laughs> and apparently uh, there there's something about the greatness of the phrase, the, the py- pyrithic victory? A pyrrhic victory. Yeah, we talked about that. I was very impressed that Nate knew what a pyrrhic victory was. <laughs> not many people know. <laughs> but that's on our friends at the Post Wrestling Network. And uh, not to give away too much, you might be hearing from a couple people from that network on our show in the near future. Awesome. And in the meantime, uh, yeah, you listen to True North Nerds because that's the my main show. But uh, I also host a, ra- or a radio show about goth and industrial music on 89.1 Max FM here in the Aurelia Barry area. But you can find it online. Just go to the 89.1's website and there is a you can listen live while the show is on. It's every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, don't know what we're doing next week or next episode, but we'll figure something out. Until yep. then, <laughs> send us your suggestions. Yeah. yeah, if you've got ideas or want us to review things, send them on forward. We might not get to them right away, but we'll probably get to them at some point. And how can they find us, Brent? They can find us at truenorthnerds.com and the various socials, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, True North Nerds. And email us at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Until next time. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we will be back in two weeks. See ya.
Bye. Look out, there's something behind you. Oh, spooky. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the True North Nerds. You can find us at truenorthnerds.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at True North Nerds. To contact one or any of the nerds, you can email them at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Theme music provided by Kirby Crackle. You can find more of their music at kirbycracklemusic.com. If you like this show, please go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review us. Well, I guess it's just me and you. How are you guys doing today? Hopefully you're doing fine. Fred can do something with this if he wants, but I'm going to keep talking. At least then he won't be listening to Dead Air when he goes to edit all this out.